Bleep, 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 bleep. Draw and Discard is an independent production. The views and opinions expressed in the show are entirely the responsibility of those who express them and are not necessarily representative of the hosts, guests, sponsors, or anyone else involved in the show. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, that was John falling backwards on his chair. <laughs> <laughs> the most amount of noise ever. Yeah. Okay, hello everybody. What an amazing start. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Draw and Discard podcast. A very special episode uh, this weekend. We are at the Athena Games 5th birthday celebrations. Our kind sponsors. Yeah, uh, so Hannah is with me. Hello. Chris is with me. Hello. Because we work here and we had to be. But, uh, <laughs> also... Yeah, also because uh, we are celebrating Athena Games' fifth birthday with a kind of mini convention type thing. So we're going to be chatting to people throughout the weekend. Um, as you can hear, there's a little babble of people demoing games uh, in the background. We've been demoing games all day today. That's pretty much been the focus of today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've been demoing various uh, I've done Citadel products. Yeah, I've done uh, Titanicus. Age of Sigma. Oh god, I have done lots of Games Workshop products. Same. <laughs> Champions. That's right, because that is pretty much all this podcast has been about for like the last. It has. <laughs> god knows how many of you know, they keep making we've stuff. We've had we RPG it. demos, which we'll be touching on at some point as well. Yeah, we've got a couple of really interesting RPG events this weekend. Um, there's a Pay to Influence RPG event, um, which is raising money for the Nook Appeal, a local charity which we'll put information up uh, in the show notes, and we'll be talking a bit more about them as, as the show goes on. Um, but basically, you can. Pay a fiver to be involved in that and the audience members are actually able to influence the action that's going on on stage I just love the idea of someone making it rain and going like kill them (laughs) so we'll we'll be talking to those guys uh, tomorrow um, which will be later on in the show as far as the logic of time goes in this narrative Um, and yeah thanks man thanks it's been a long day I mean, no, we're about to start everything in chronological order. (laughs) In aid of, uh, is it the Nook Appeal or is it each? So it's the each charity and it's specifically for the uh, Nook Appeal they are trying to raise money. Which is basically for children and children's hospices, so it's a very good cause. And we would be massive hypocrites if we weren't talking about a friendly local game store's birthday. Yeah. Given how much we tell everyone to go and support their own yeah so yeah coming up on the show uh, we will be having uh, various chats about the big games that are going on we've got some big Age of Sigmar games going on this weekend we've got some big Warhammer games going on this weekend Uh, we've also got various RPG events going on um, as well as the famous auction you've met Elliot Simmons that runs that on the Dicini episode of this show so I'm sure we'll be talking to him from a distance because he's a very loud man that's his job (laughs) Um, so yeah there's all kinds of things going on so um, we hope that you will stick with us through this episode and find out about all the fantastic things that have gone on this weekend to celebrate the Athena Games fifth birthday in association with each and their Nook Appeal let's go let's just do this Brilliant. So I'm here with... Phil Masters. And uh, you've been running the Discworld RPG. RPG. Yes, just 
on run, one demo session run today and I'm going to be running another one tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, today is Saturday, which is the first day of the weekend celebrating Athena Games' fifth birthday, as we already said in the intro. And would you like to tell me a little bit about Discworld RPG, your part in uh, the creation of it? Well, I suppose. Uh, this <laughs> <coughs> Discworld RPG is uh, published by Steve Jackson Games and uses their, uh, their GURPS rules, rules uh, system. And I was roped in as one of their regular freelance writers to write, well, I originally wrote the first edition, I'm afraid 20 years ago, which sometimes worries me, and, uh, and I managed to talk them into doing a second edition a few years back. So I, I am the adapter of the Discworld to role-playing games using the GURPS rules. Fantastic. And we're now on the fourth edition, is that correct? No, well, it's the second edition of the Discworld RPG. It's the fourth edition of GURPS. One of the thing, one of the reasons we went to a second edition of the Discworld RPG, apart from the obvious fact that there've been a lot of novel, novels published over the last twenty years, was that um, uh, was that we had a new set of, of GURPS rules, and it seemed only sensible to uh, bring everything into line. Bring everything up to date. Yeah. Brilliant. And how have you been finding it today? Have people been taking to it very? The people who played today took to it very well. They were a little weird, but it's a Discworld RPG, so they're supposed to be. Um, <laughs> It, uh, it went okay. It ran on a little longer than this particular scenario sometimes runs, but that's partly down to people having far too much fun and was good for them. <laughs> I think that's a common theme with stuff like Discworlds, mm. though. And how, how was it for you adapting something that has become such a massive staple for a lot of people's childhoods? And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, such, it's got such a loyal fan base that it must have been mm. quite daunting adapting something like that. Um, I think you just need a sufficient degree of arrogance to think that you understand it, understand it well enough that you can. That, that, uh, <laughs> I, my, my version of it will be good enough. And, Terry approved it, particularly on the first edition version, so, uh, Fantastic. so he, was, uh, he was happy with it, so I thought I must be doing something right. You can't get anything better than the creator's own personal seal no, of no. approval, so uh, mm-hmm. I think if anyone's listening to this who's been thinking about it, I think you cannot get a higher seal of approval than the creator. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you could. No, yeah. And... Um, so obviously today we've been uh, raising, and tomorrow we'll be raising money for uh, charity in the Nook Appeal, so for children's hospices, uh, which we'll be talking a bit uh, mm-hmm. about more later on. So would you like to tell me a little bit more about um, your personal uh, interests when developing these sorts of RPGs? Like what elements do you find are the most important to creating something that's engrossing? Um, it's really letting the subject matter come through. Um, I mean... The, 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 my job is, is fitting the rule mechanics to the setting and vice versa. I mean, people who are writing rules from scratch for these things, uh, in, in one sense have it easier, in another sense have it harder because they're working from scratch. But the trick of it is getting a sufficient grasp on the setting to understand what, what you need to talk about that people can then bring to games and combine with the rules to, to actually make the, make the game feel something like what, hap- what they think happens in the setting. Um, which, you know, with a horror game, is, is all about the rules for losing your sanity or, 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 or having horrible things happen to the character. Whereas in a, in a Discworld game, is more about having Discworld-like things happen to people. <laughs> which is... And to give people a little bit of a flavour, what was the premise of the scenario you were running today? Uh, today was a f- designed to be a fairly simple one. They never, they never come out quite that simple, but it was um, five... Uh, ordinary people on the disc world, well not very ordinary um, <laughs> a tourist and the various people he's hired to look after his cart and travel along with him um, travelling across a remote bit of the disc world <coughs> sorry, the disc world and um, running into uh, 
uh, well, initially being attacked by wolves, but this is the sort of thing that happens when you're travelling in remote places, even when there aren't supposed to be any annoying wolves in that particular area, and then finding out why why this happened and what what was responsible for the wolves acting oddly, and doing something about it and setting fire to the building, which usually seems to be people's answer to things. I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've noticed that with a lot of RPGs, <clears throat> if in doubt. Set fire to something. Set yes. fire to the building. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming today and mm-hmm. taking time out. And no if you haven't checked it out yet, then please do check out the Discworld RPG book. It's great. It's got gorgeous illustrations in it. I was talking with you about those earlier. They look fantastic. And I claim no credit for those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the book itself is really wonderful. And everyone here today has been having great fun with it. So go and check it out. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Draw and Discard podcast. I am Chris, and just just me for once. But there we go. Uh, yeah, I'm just here, going to give you the lowdown on the big Warhammer 40,000 Apocalypse game we had. So yeah, we organised a couple of really big games for the big war games. So um, Age of Sigmar and Warhammer 40,000. Uh, I sort of ran and took part in the 40,000 one. Um, yeah, it was really cool. So we ended up with uh, nine players in total. Um, so we had essentially uh, mixed Imperium, so we had uh, Space Wolves, Salamanders, uh, Ultramarines, Imperial Guard, Imperial Knights, uh, and Iron Hands on one side, so a bunch of Space Marines, some Guard, and some Knights, and on the other side we had uh, two big forces of Necrons, um, a big force of Jesus of the Cults, and a big force of Orcs, which was quite fun. Um, so we basically gave the other side, uh, they had 500 points each, more. Um, so it balanced out. So it was, yeah, 20,000 points on the board, 10,000 aside. So yeah, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, uh, played for a couple of hours. Big, big four foot. We had a uh, massive old board, so um, it was 8 foot by 12 foot. <laughs> Massive eight foot by twelve foot board um, to play on, and we played one of the emissions out of um, the uh, chapter approved book. Uh, the first one I can't remember what it's called. It's a race to destru- yeah race to destruction, which is basically like there are six objectives and you get points for holding objectives in the game, uh, killing points or uh, killing Titanic units. So there's units the really big things like the knights and there was a, a big orc stomper in there as well. So that was quite fun. Um, and for killing uh, essentially the war master, so basically like a HQ character that was the 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 team leader's um, HQ character. So that was good. So yeah, it was a very very long game. Unfortunately, none of the guys um, could stick around because it was it was quite tiring. But usually these really big games were forty kr, so we played a we played for a good couple of hours. Um, first round, so because um, uh, like. Old school apocalypse. It was time setups, so we had so the teams discussed amongst themselves how long they think they could set their armies up in them. Um, we said ten minutes. Uh, the other team said half an hour. So we got to set up first, as we said the less, and we actually managed to get everything set up in ten minutes, which was good. Uh, and we went first and sort of rumbled up the board, and yeah, sort of rumbled up the board. Had the had a midway through the game, sort of had a big fight between the knights and the gorknot. And they sort of killed each other in a beautiful mushroom cloud as they exploded. Um, my guys, so I was playing my salamanders, and we sort of snuck up the middle for the entire game. 
<laughs> sort of no one paid attention till about turn three. It was like oh, and one of the ended up taking taking the objective, uh, one of the objectives on the other sides, and um, sort of yeah, getting getting that point from from the sort of team Xenos or the and the Necrons were just just an endless horde and kept getting back up and yeah no it was a, it was a really really fun game good good fun sort of had, <laughs> had a terminator sergeant who refused to die and just kept killing necron destroyers and yeah no it was a it was a it was a very good time so yeah so there we go big old game Right, well, I am here again after Dicini with... Elliot Simmons, the auctioneer. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too, Hannah. And so what kind of auctions have you been doing today? Well, we've basically run two auctions. We've had a reverse auction and the classic forward auction, sometimes called the English auction. So one table, price kept going down every five minutes until we got down to just one pound per item. And then we had the classic forward auction with many lots trying to generate money for East Anglian children hospices. That's what we've been doing this weekend. Yeah, it's been going really well and I think that the auction went pretty well, got a lot of money for charity. Well, I'm not sure whether it was a lot of money. We could always raise more money for charity, but it was just under £200. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, it's good news. And that's all going to the Nook Appeal, which is a fantastic local project, so I'm sure they'll appreciate every penny. Um, And how have you found the crowd today? Uh, I think the crowd today were mainly war gamers, from what I can pick up, rather than the board game community, which we'd Uh... hoped would have turned out (laughs) in their droves to Athena's wonderful fifth birthday celebrations. Uh, Well, unfortunately, next time we're going to have to bully as many people as we can because it's for charity and what better reason to buy a board game than knowing that you're doing it for a children's hospital. Absolutely. Gamers supporting people, you know, in the local community is what we're all about. Well, and despite the fact that most of the uh, audience were war gamers, still almost £200 and that's going to make a lot of children very happy. Absolutely. And we did have some very, very funny moments indeed, including one young child that bid £15 to only get outbid by an adult. And oh. to see, oh, I know, but you know, this is all important functional skills that they need to learn early <laughs> on. You know, being the auctioneer, I know I'm a little bit loud and boomy, but we try and bring a bit of theatre to these kind of events, and you know, we enjoy it very, very much. Well, and we've had people of all ages here today, as you said, like young children all the way up to grown ups, and everyone seems to be getting along really well and enjoying themselves today. I think that's one of the things about the board game and war game community, which is most engrossing really it's the fact that lots of people can get on who you might not think would in real life i often tell the story about you and me hannah yes (laughs) because i don't think if you could see us you would see two such culturally and diversely different people in size stature age gender everything but for the audience's benefit (laughs) i don't even come up to elliot's shoulder (laughs) but when we play a board game together Hannah can rise to the dizzying heights of some overlord <laughs> conquesting sort of dominatrix who tells me exactly what to do because it's within the rules of the game and the community is always very tolerant and it's a, a beautiful hobby to have and you know well we're standing helpful. on the stage right now and we're looking out at a sea of people and yeah there's all sorts of people from all different walks of life and they're all some people having some fish and chips here and all just hanging out together and it's lovely absolutely oh, great crowd Well, thank you so much, and hopefully you'll be able to come again next year for the sixth birthday. very much hope so. Take care. You too. 
Okay, so welcome back to the Athena Games fifth birthday podcast celebration thing. Uh, I am John, your regular host, and I'm here with some very special guests, the Grinsteads, who are the co-owners, directors? Yes, yes. both. Uh, both Athena Games, yeah, so, yeah. and director between us. So. Ruth, Jamie and Alex, uh, some of which you, you may have met, you've almost certainly met Jamie if you've come in the store. You may have met Alex and Ruth as well. Uh, you are a family unit, so mother and sons. Yes. That own this fantastic, friendly local game shop that I'm sure anyone that listens to the podcast supports because we keep telling you to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we wanted to have a, a bit of a chat as it is your fifth birthday, obviously the fifth successful year of Athena Games running. Um, a little bit about kind of the history of the business and the ideas behind it. So, um, you know, what was it that made you decide to get into the world of friendly local gaming well i started playing magic and um i managed to convince jamie that he wanted to play it as well and we'd traveled around the country and a little bit overseas looking at how magic was played in different locations and we saw things as we were traveling that we thought well that's quite good we could do something like that in norwich and at that time there wasn't anything like it nearby no there wasn't really anything that sort of met the needs of sort of gamers i've more of a war games background so i played a lot of sort of uh, fantasy as it was and uh, 40k um but yes the card games were a lot more transportable when going around places <laughs> didn't have to take the big cases around with you mm. So um, before the store opened, we'd played in Strasbourg, hadn't we? Yeah, and in Poland. Yeah, in Warsaw, wasn't it? Yes, in Warsaw, and obviously several locations around the country, and we'd sort of made a list of what we thought would be nice if it was available in Norwich, and we sort of worked from that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, worked from that, and then Alex came on board as well. Yeah, uh, uh, I... I the uh, my mum and brother approached me, so like saying that uh, we're planning on to like opening up our own hobby store, and do you want in sort of thing? And I was like, yeah, sure, sort of thing. <laughs> sure, nothing better. Than <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, from there on, I got more into so like hobby. I I'd had delved into things like forty k Yu Gi Oh, uh, a little bit of Pokemon a long time ago. <laughs> Um, but otherwise I hadn't really gone into it beforehand so it was good it I got me um, interacting with people more because I used to be quite isolated and whatnot mm. um, so yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think that's a big thing that in general with with hobby stores and you know why why they emphasize the friendly when they talk about local game shops is mm. you know I think that's a really good example of you know what these kind of businesses are about is is about bringing people out of themselves make, making communities making people that are perhaps you know don't generally socialize outside of the hobby giving them a place to go and yeah. interact with with other people which is a very important part of it but I mean when you first started it was quite a lot smaller than this right so I think yeah. games is in its second location yeah we are yes, our, location. our first location we, we looked around and we were trying to find somewhere that was had more space than what was available locally mm. and we started off on Bang Street in Norwich um, but it wasn't very long sort of after starting there that we realised we actually hadn't got as much space as perhaps we needed well, I mean, we could still see a fair number there. It was still, we could see almost up to sort of like 50, 60 people. Yes. Mm. But yeah, it was, some days it was becoming a struggle. And I think sort of like 
the organized play calendar as it is now. I mean, here we're running sort of like five, six events a weekend. And we couldn't do that at the old space. And you were then having to pick and choose between various games. And it wasn't a good place for sort of various communities there to be because you were prioritizing a game above another. And mm. I'd rather, much rather, all the games were sort of equal, as it were. Mm. Um, but yeah, so sort of like, um, I think it really came to head, it was to do with Friday nights. Because we had just taken on, uh, we'd taken on a Pokemon community alongside our Magic community, uh, and they they started off quite small. Yes, it was, uh, about, was about, only about four to six. Four to six of them, but that sort of like within a month or two, they'd grown to sixteen, I think, and then they grew to about thirty-two, and <laughs> the Magic community was growing, and then I was having headaches of trying to work out, and we were using like having to use like storerooms for the draft and things like that just to sort of like fit everyone in. Mm. Um, so we, it quickly became obvious that we, we needed a, a larger space. Um, and then we sort of like started looking around. And although business-wise we probably hadn't got to the stage where we were ready for somewhere this big or this much of a building project even, mm. um, this became available, our current location, and, and we thought, well, we'd just got to try and try and sort of make it happen yeah and, and for those that know Norwich Athena Games is based out of the um, old working men's club which a lot of people are familiar with we get a lot of sort of people wandering in and just wondering <laughs> what this place is now because they used to come here and uh, I had friends that are in bands that have played here I know they uh, up here in the room that we're in right now there's a, a don't flop one of the freestyle rap battles that was hosted in in Norwich <laughs> was hosted here and so there's a lot of history in this building itself how, how come you sort of came across this building does it just happen to come up as available at the same time well it had been or? obviously the working men's club and <clears throat> yeah. i think it had got to the stage where the spoons had, had sort of come to the fore and had perhaps become the place that people went to if they wanted a cheap drink mm -hmm. and at the same time as as the old working men's club was struggling the british legion on alsham road seemed to be struggling at the same time and I think it was just just the time was wrong for that type mm. of venue now. Um, and so it, it became available for auction because the building was in a terrible state of repair. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we bought it at auction. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and we, we certainly fill it up now. I mean... <laughs> Friday night magic. I mean, not fill the whole thing up, but you know, on a, on a good day, if we've got a lot of events on, we have been known to fill all three floors of this place, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the biggest event here was perhaps seventy-eight people, mm. which was one of our Yu-Gi-Oh regionals. Uh, but we've had large size events for X-Wing as well. Uh, so that was in the sixties, um, and then yeah, sort of like magic on a Friday night, we can easily get sort of. 30 to 50 sometimes at the top end players once you include sort of like draft standard and modern and then we've had up to like 36 Pokemon players as well at some mm. various times so um, yeah it can get pretty hectic <laughs> and sort of like balancing the needs of all the sort of like different communities uh, along with obviously the needs of the storm things is always a sort of like juggling matter and things. Mm. Yes, I mean, I mean, on, on that note, what do you think have been uh, sort of the biggest obstacles that you feel you've needed to overcome in order to provide Norwich with, with a gaming space like this? Well, our problem really, I mean, a lot of the problems are with the building in that when we took it on, it was in a big, bad state of repair. 
Um, the architect that came round initially said, well, I think you've got 15 years worth of building work. So ten more to go then. Yeah, well, oh, no, wait, because we've only been in here. We, yes, <laughs> we haven't been in here five years, even though we've been going five yeah. years. So we've got more than ten years yeah. worth of building work to do. Um, although we're working on it slowly. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we've replaced the majority of the roofs yes. uh, now, and we've replaced one of the staircases. Yes. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's still more work to do. Um, I think. Because there are so many games now as well, one of the challenges like the individual games themselves face is trying to get that that FaceTime with customers, yeah. that, that attention, and to get people interested. Um, a game can be good mechanically, but if it has nothing to draw someone in, um, then it, it can struggle. Sort of like the best example I can perhaps give of that is like, Lightseekers was a game that did okay here, but it, it struggled to keep that momentum going. And a lot of that's down to, I think, the theme. Yeah. Uh, whereas Age of Sigma Champion has, has come out, it's done much better on that. From the same company. And it's from the same, the same company, same mechanics, and, it had, yeah. and it has sort of like a lot of similar mechanics to it. Yeah. Um, and it just shows you what difference a good IP, a good theme uh, can make to it. Yeah. Um, it won't be the be all and it's all like everything. So if you, you have a good theme but a bad game, it will still not do well. But if you can combine the two quite well, and we're certainly seeing that happen a lot more with things like Dark Souls and things like that, where they're sort of like really looking to make the most of the IPs and things that are out there. Yeah. Um, cool. So um, what do you think then has been kind of your your greatest achievement or just like your kind of favourite moment in this Odyssey because I'd imagine it's quite up and down but you know at what point have you kind of been at the top looking down on it thinking yeah this is spot on um the the, the sort of times when I personally really really loved what I did was to sort of like look around at our communities and sort of like see them grow and to see them so like happily work alongside each other to help grow that community it, it's really good to see that everyone's coming out of their shells and whatnot and that they're able to find their happy place and be able to interact mm. all of a sudden and you know whereas some of the people who have come in here you know they started off like they they would barely say a single yeah. word to you, sort of thing. They they play their game, sort of thing, but they wouldn't necessarily say anything. But as they've been playing, as they keep coming, they e e have gradually grown to that community, and they've started interacting more with everyone, sort yeah. of thing, which is absolutely I agree. amazing. I mean, that, that's my favorite bit, sort of the day to day as well. Being behind the counter is is those moments, sort of meeting a new person, and then. They're sort of nervous and they come in and then yeah within a few weeks they are a part of whatever community they came in to explore yeah 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 i think from so like my personal thing yes the growth of people but i've been more involved in events i'd say so sort of like when you see an event go off and it, it, it people have enjoyed it and they all the feedback from that is really good that's always been sort of like a it feels really fulfilling that all that time you've spent sort of like arranging it, arranging the staff, sort of like organising it all, uh, and then sort of like try and problem solve on the day. 
when things go wrong, like software doesn't work and things like that, and you sort of like manage to work through it all, that can be sort of like, that to me is sort of like the personally fulfilling part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, I don't know that I have any sort of one-off thing. I mean, I agree with Alex. It is nice to see people that struggle maybe in the outside world, some of them, I think. I think saying something about happy place, you know, actually to be their happy place is a really positive thing. And I mean, we do have people that come in first thing in the morning and would be there till you shut at night. And they're interacting with people they're playing games, they're talking to people. It's not like being at home, perhaps on a console game of mm. some sort, where perhaps you don't really interact with anybody. Yeah. Um, and they're developing strategies. You know, their math skills are developing, their communication skills are developing, um, which has got to make them, their lives richer, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's the big thing that separates this kind of shop, you know, because people do call it a shop. It is retail at its core. But I, I worked in retail for many, many years in kind of soulless retail mm. where you didn't feel like you were doing any good. And, you know, that's that's a huge part of this is, is that community aspect is very unique to this kind of establishment. Mm. And a huge part of what we do is that. It's community management. It's act, interacting with human beings and making other people happy which is nice you know yes. I, used, I used to just sell suits to estate agents and nothing makes them happy so <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a very different pace um yeah okay cool um so yeah i mean is there oh no i know what i was gonna ask you um what is your kind of core game you're saying you, you got into magic initially do you find well, you still i started play a lot of off, magic or? obviously having two sons yep. there were certain games that sort of boys grow up and play like warhammer mm-hmm. and i have indeed been to warhammer world with jamie and i took goblins which took up several cases mm-hmm. took me an hour and a half to arrange on the <laughs> table um and it was only sort of more recently before we started the store well, i'd gone to magic because i'd started traveling about and magic is something that's in a small box. You can go anywhere in the world, or anywhere I've tried to go in the world so far, and on a Friday night you know someone's going to be playing magic. Mm-hmm. And you can you can turn up in a country that you know, don't know the language or anything. You can go to a local store and you'll find people that you can play a game with. Yeah. They will also give you what's the best restaurant to eat in yeah. um, because they're locals they know the place and you feel welcome again it's the community thing there are communities yeah. that you can join into and I know that some of our, our players in different things have travelled Yeah, you know we've had Pokemon yeah. people have gone to America well they? I mean they're, they're heading out to America next week for Worlds yes um, also being a university town as well as Norwich yes. is you get a lot of different people on the kind of four yearly rotation as well yeah I mean we've had plenty of people that have come and studied yeah. here and then they sort of like they either head off back home or they, they head off to different parts for work and things so yeah you do see a lot of people sort of like come here they play here for a few years and then they sort of move off uh, and then they sort of like uh, like we've had various people um, from sort of like China sort yes. of like uh, America 
and Canada and all over the place. Yeah. So they're doing similar to me. You know, I'm thinking, well, I can go on a holiday in Crete and find someone that I can yeah, play yeah. a game with and talk to. They're coming over here from somewhere else in the and world. Obviously, yeah, but being, and again, they're heading to us because yeah, I mean, we are we've a sanctioned a wizard store, right? So we have to yeah. have big events and things which people will travel for as well. So, um, yeah, Jamie's War- Warhammer, right? That's uh, so Warhammer was my core game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've played Magic competitively as well. I've played Yu-Gi-Oh competitively. Uh, that was actually probably the first game I played competitively. Yes. Uh, I played in sort of like some of the big, big tournaments back when Upper Deck were running it uh, for Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, so I mean, I I've played in various games and things. I like to. I'm probably more of a jack of all trades. Yeah. Yeah. I like to know the rules to pretty much any game. Yeah. Um, part of the job, but I also like seeing all the different mechanics and things and how they all work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly similar to my brother. Um, I'm jack of all trades, but I, I, I do, I have started off with Magic, and it is, I would still say it's one of my main core games, alongside Warhammer Forty Thousand and maybe Star Wars Legion. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy those games, and they were the ones that started me into. Loving this hobby. Yeah, the hobby entirely. Yeah, I mean, we we dabbled with ones before, like the Dragon Ball Z card game, and we'd done the Yu-Gi-Oh one as well. So yeah, so we were all used to all of the e sorts of uh, hobby related games, and uh, yeah, it, it it's good. It, it's a really good feeling to run a hobby store and to see everyone just be in peace. Yeah. King of the nerds. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, real quick then, uh, if you were going to recommend a game that somebody could come in and buy from the local game shop or you know buy from our website or indeed if you're in Norwich, come and buy from us, what would be your number one recommendation right now? Alex, what should they come in and buy tomorrow? Uh, so my number one recommendation is... Probably code names, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I absolutely—it's one of my favourite board games. Over the fact that you can just sort of like, because it—it's it, the way that you can sort of like then learn about other people, the way they think and whatnot. So I—I I personally really like that. Is that it can get you to know someone in a different way to how mm-hmm. you're used to. And we are demoing that this weekend. It's one of the many games that's available from our demo library here at Athena. Mm-hmm. It's not just this weekend. They are available at all times. You can always come in and ask for these games and give them a go. So, Jamie, what's yours? Uh, I have been really enjoying Age of Sigma Champions lately. Mm-hmm. But one game to recommend is always a tough thing in a place with many, many games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, board game wise, I'd probably say Potion Explosion. It's one of my favorite ones I get out a lot at home. Yeah. Uh, so I'll probably go with Potion Explosion. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I've been uh, I've been demoing that today. Really, <laughs> really good fun game that. Yeah. So that leaves me in a, in yeah. a tricky situation because I possibly would have said Potion Explosion. <laughs> well, I can um, always change or code names. Go, uh, um, <laughs> magic is obviously something that I like. I'm just trying to get my magic deck back working again, with a view to playing overseas for a little bit again. Yeah. And um, actually, I mean, that, that's a good point as well. If you are thinking about getting into Magic, um, your friendly local game shop, local game shops like Athena, have free decks. So that's not even a game that you need to come in and buy a product. You can come in and say, no, hello, that's right. teach me about Magic. And <laughs> you'll get given a nice it. little deck. And, yeah. You know, so yeah, that's that's not even a product you need to come in and buy. Um, a board game. You could go miniatures. 
I can yeah. go miniatures, yes, I, I still quite like painting the miniatures, although I'm finding my hands are a bit of a troublesome when it comes to painting. Mm. I do quite like the things, painting them. It yeah, always becomes it becomes a bit of a a tricky one, though, because you want to have the models finished so you can play with them, yeah. but you want to have them painted looking nice. So I always find that a bit of a difficult, yeah. <laughs> uh, difficult one to get right. Yeah. So, yeah, poss possibly the... Um, New Age of Sigma. Yeah, I would yeah, it's a really probably, good one. It's got yeah, all the paints in it and stuff now. Yes, like starter yeah. Uh, yeah, and obviously so, now with sort of new set out, it's a good time to get into. Yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. probably that. So yeah, cool. So yeah, as we say, if you're in the Norwich area, come and come and see us, uh, St Gregory's Alley, where we're at. Um, and we'll have tons of events on and games that you're interested in, I'm sure. Uh, otherwise, we are now trading online as well. So that's been a big thing that the company has done. It's now pushing more towards the website stuff. Not all of our product is on there, um, but there's some good deals on there. Age of Sigma Champions boxes are a very affordable price on there right now. And very popular. Um, yeah, very popular. <laughs> so it's worth looking at. So, um, well, Grinstead, thank you very much for joining me. Is there anything, any final words you want to say? Um, I mean, is it worth us quickly mentioning that obviously this weekend we we thought that we wanted to support a local charity with our birthday event? Yeah, so uh, that's up this, to you if you want to yeah, give this, a shout this, out. Uh, this weekend we've been supporting uh, each or East Anglia's children's hospices um, and their Nook Appeal when yes. they're looking to build a, a new uh, purpose, -built, purpose built hospice in Norfolk um, because, well, the current location is that can't be expanded it's not fit for purpose it's an old building um, so, so we're really happy to, to be supporting them this and weekend they are looking to um, sort of put together this knock appeal is after 10 million pounds I think they were at about 8 million 8 and a bit yeah 8 some... and a bit so we're hoping to help them on their way towards their target yeah absolutely and we will put details of how you can support the uh, Nook Appeal in the show notes um, we'll also I'm sure we'll talk about them uh, throughout the show as well um, but yeah you can check them out um, we'll put a link on the show notes um, you can also uh, check you can see those show notes and various other bits and pieces uh, either at Facebook facebook.com at forward slash draw and discard uh, you can follow us on Twitter at draw and discard um, or you can drop us an email, drawandiscard at gmail.com. And for the Athena guys, uh, you can check out athenagames.co.uk. That is the website. And Athena Games UK on basically every social network. So Facebook is Athena Games UK. Um, Twitter, Twitter is the same. Uh, I think YouTube's the same. Like yeah, basically. Well, .co.uk uh, .co on that one. Okay, but, but, and yeah. uh, Instagram's UK as well. Yeah. So. so yeah, check out Athena Games UK or athenagames.co.uk. Um, and we, there will also be information about the Nook Appeal up there. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much very for joining much. me. Thank you. Thank you. It was no a worries. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you. So, thank you very much to everyone that got involved with the Athena Games fifth birthday weekend. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast. On the subject, uh, we certainly had a fantastic time over the course of the weekend and hopefully everyone that attended did as well. Um, let us know if you came along um, and let us know what your favourite part of it was. Uh, you can message us on Twitter at Draw and Discard, Facebook.com forward slash Draw and Discard or send us an email drawandiscard at gmail.com. Uh, but just to get serious for a minute, there was a uh, real cause behind uh, 
this weekend's activities and uh, although I don't know the exact figures yet I think Athena Games raised a decent amount of money for each's nook appeal each uh, being short for the East Anglian Children's Hospice so you know really great service uh, helping out sick kids which I think is definitely a cause that everyone can get behind um, they're basically attempting to raise 10 million um, to build new facilities uh, which will uh, enhance the services that they can offer across Norfolk including a far larger care area and more areas for clinical care, uh, fantastic activity areas. Um, there's also apparently been talk of kind of a games area um, for kids as well. So, you know, obviously that's something Athena really wanted to get behind, um, as well as arts and crafts, activities, other play, a hydrotherapy pool, a state-of-the-art sensory room, special quiet haven for families uh, that need to hang out there because obviously a lot of families you know, that are dealing with sick kids need somewhere nice to be. Uh, dedicated therapy rooms uh, and a music studio, larger and better equipped ensuite bedrooms, ensuite family accommodation, more outside space uh, and you know facilities for family, support groups, counselling, therapies and activities. Um, so you know each really needs everybody's support in order to raise that money. Um, you can see them on Facebook uh, at the Nook Appeal on Facebook. Um, you can also check out the links on the show notes that are underneath and uh, Athena Games as well. Uh, Athena Games UK on Facebook has been sharing information about them. So you know if you didn't come to the weekend and you want to make a difference, uh, then please do consider donating through one of the many channels that are available uh, because you know they're doing a good thing. Uh, Athena Games as well uh, and the Draw and Discard podcast would also like to thank the companies that donated things for the weekend, made the weekend possible, uh, including Asmodee UK, uh, the big game supplier in the UK, uh, Ultimate Guard that make a fantastic range of accessories uh, for card gaming, magic. I I use their sleeves all the time, uh, currently for Age of Sigmar Champions, but also for magic in the past. Uh, Holy Moly Crafts who make fantastic dice bags, including the custom Draw and Discard dice bags that good old Chris made for us or had them make for us um, and also James Wallace as well uh, so yeah thank you very much to all those people for making such a fantastic weekend possible and hopefully if you did come along you enjoyed yourself and if you didn't please do consider donating to the each charity and their nook appeal in order to make life better for sick kids I mean you can't go far wrong with that Hey, it's not often that we're sincere on this podcast, so, you know, we sincerely ask that you make a donation if you can. Um, Otherwise, we'll see you again next time. And until then, stay safe. See ya. Draw and Discard is devised, written and performed by the hosts of the show. Produced and edited by John Brownlee. Main theme written and produced by Jilted and Tom Jennings. Incidental music also produced by Jilted, unless otherwise stated in the show notes. Check out facebook.com forward slash draw and discard for more info.